we're back. Hello. Hey, hey. Hey, how's everyone doing? Good. We're good. 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 Fantastic. Now that I know the end is in sight, Jerry. (laughs) 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 Got a break uh, from you. I felt like the <laughs> Re-listening to the end, it was like, is this the end of like the second episode, to the end of episode of Lost? Is this? Are we? Has he explained the tunnel? <laughs> are we in purgatory? Yeah. You oh crap! <laughs> I'm trying not to give anything away, and it's so hard because people people ask and uh, had some comments on YouTube and. In Facebook, uh, from people just kind of generally wondering what was going on at the end there, and I'm I'm like, nah, I I really want to tell people, but I know I I shouldn't. Um, stuff stuff is happening. Stuff, yeah. stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. Somebody said, "Oh, they're in the underdark now," and I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. "I don't know." You'll have to find out, right? Tune in next season, right? Um, well, thank you all for being here. This is our fabulous season two wrap up episode that we're recording right now. And I'm so excited to see you guys one last time before we take a big break. Um, yeah. So I'm just memorizing your faces now. Can we give a quick applause to Don's background really quick? And I do have Jerry over his shoulder, which is exactly. just a little distracting. Yeah, it's actually distracting. <laughs> That's exactly why I wanted to be there. I was trying to position him that way. Am I the angel on your shoulder or the devil? Definitely the devil. Oh. Definitely wow. The devil. He didn't yeah. have a state. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well... Uh, hopefully I didn't, uh, convince you to do too many bad things this season. Um, although, well, there was drinking bad things. I was going to say, I don't think Craig needed any convincing to do bad things. (laughs) He was ready. He was quite content to do bad things. Yeah. He was on board. Yeah. He was, was Uh, although I think overall he really didn't do a lot of bad things. No, I think it was in a gray area. He wanted to do probably more bad things than he was let to do. That is true. I don't know. I don't know. No. Does Craig have a t-shirt at home, born to be bad? Um, I mean, he, it never, I don't know that it ever really came out, but I mean, on his character sheet, uh, he's neutral evil. Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh. oh. He's an evil yeah. character. Mm. But, uh, you know, it was, it was, the whole intent was, his, you know, it, it just wasn't chaotic. Like, he had a plan. Right. And just because you're evil doesn't mean you don't care about certain people. True. Yeah. They'd be enabled to function if that were the case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, um, I, I think it came up a couple of times where you at least hinted at it throughout the season that yeah. you weren't this uh, Mr. Goody Two Shoes that you were appearing to be. Um, no, I don't think that ever happened at all. You were. <laughs> <laughs> pretty violent from the start but what do you expect when i throw you into a room where you have to share one mutual uh bucket uh bucket, bucket. yeah you're in I a doomed it, city oh, with pirates I, and thieves and slaves uh yeah an evil baron Krager was more like you know enlightened self-interest yep yeah. it begs the question do pe- do evil people they don't necessarily think they're evil that I always love that concept myself. Yeah. It's like the villain, super villain who doesn't, they think they're the hero. Yeah. It's all a matter of perspective. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, I think you played your character very well, Krakar. Um, I had fun with him. Once again? Yeah. He was, uh, he was interesting, and you have this uh, knack for uh, going your own way and proposing things that would just totally ruin the story, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. <laughs> I never I actually never tried to ruin the story. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you just... Never try. Let, let it out, Jerry. Let it out. Here it is. <laughs> so many times where he's just like, I, I've dreaded... You know, like, I'm just like, should I plan for this? And I'm like, no, no, I just have to trust that no one's going to say this or do this. And then Kragar's there to say and do that. There you go. And I'm like, it's, I mean, it's uncanny how you have that ability. And I couldn't tell if you were messing with me because sometimes you're definitely messing with me. Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Sometimes I do try to mess with you. Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Other and times, you know, it's just like. I I maybe should have given more thought to, you know, somebody feeling like we need to do this instead of this, which was very interesting. It's probably more the challenge of, you know, DMing like experienced gamers versus, you know, someone who's not really attended to like a certain game or something like that. And, and uh, just like, it's not done the player's first rodeo. No. Yeah. By and large. Yeah, you guys, you guys are very uh, uh, going. and for somebody like me, I mean, you guys have vastly more experience than I do gaming and role-playing, and so I'm just, I, I know that you have this kind of wealth of experience behind you, and I'm trying to get you to do things, and sometimes I'm just, you know, like hoping and praying more than... more than anything more than i actually have an actual plan but um and you guys seem to pick up on that um which is uh i think kept the story going in a number of cases and you know anytime craigar is there to say something that i don't want to happen someone else jumps in and kind of turns it around so it, it didn't really come up um only i feel like that someone was tris a lot Uh uh-huh yeah. You know, sometimes real life just enters in. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Two seasons in a row that has been Don, your Don's not the only yeah. one laughing. What, what's going on? <laughs> uh, just got to steer him back sometimes. You know, like, oh, I see. I know you see the shiny thing over here, honey, but come on. What? Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you do that for all of us, frankly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's really, uh, speaking of Tris has really endeared you to some people. I've, I think I've heard people, uh, most vocal about your characters over the past couple of seasons. Hmm. Really, really liking what you bring to the game, which is, uh, oh, that's uh, yeah. really nice. Yeah. No, I, I know, uh, uh, my mother-in-law, for example, who is no doubt uh, avid listener, um, <laughs> she she comments to me uh, quite often uh, about the story and how terrible I am to you all. And, uh, <laughs> but she this loved is your, she is loved your mother-in-law. Yes. Oh, okay. She. Yeah, you get to say it. 
Yeah. And we've had a few other people uh, who have also chimed in and, and talked about Tris and her impact on the storyline and, you know, keeping things moving in the right direction. Um, and I think it's been hugely helpful um, keeping us on the rails, so to speak. All right. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is pretty cool. I mean, and I've heard other things from the other characters. I mean, people loved uh, Bjorn and his, uh, you know, um, ways in season one and thought that, uh, you know, a lot of that same sort of attitude was kind of picked up in season two. And uh, Alar, I think people felt was over the top. There's something comforting that people get from exactly Craigar. I don't know what that down. is, but I think it's just Don's voice that uh, puts people at ease. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, you have a I good voice, man. Yeah, just when you, before you go into sleep, that's what everybody wants to hear: is Craigar's <laughs> voice whispering in their ear. Let's Are you ready to die? <laughs> <laughs> I will say I really appreciated that what you brought with Brokos and kind of that that eager i mean like i i got that idea of kind of this you know this eager teenager like yeah wanting to be you know in it and part of it and i don't know yeah i wanted to try to make as many i wanted to try to make plenty of mistakes and stay say stupid things not saying that just because you're in your 30s that means that you're saying not saying stupid things but i'm trying like that 16 year old of like tries too hard sometimes Mm-hmm. be in that acceptance and try to be yeah. accepted and might be a little bit like socially awkward because of like everywhere we're coming from is like you Tris and Craig are, are definitely more like they're they're like they will fight and they're not a, there's no fear in that right and where cynical too right and yeah and Alar is much more it's about it's about Alar but there's a part of Alar that cares, but I think Brokos is trying to find that part and he wants to be that accepted by Alar because he yeah. kind of looks up to him or he wants some kind of bond and he may try to force it sometimes. And I do like the way that Alar kind of plays back and just like pushes him away to make him feel, you know, put him in his place. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm the main, I'm the main show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can be here, but right. you are not the main show. Mm-hmm. You know, there are lots of times where Brokos in the season um, and Bjorn in the previous season um, really saved the day and uh, was amazing, doing amazing damage, amazing utility, you know, in the first season doing amazing damage, lots of utility. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. This season, which uh, helped out a lot. And it's funny because you're sort of in the spotlight, but you... I think in both seasons had that role where you um, sort of attach yourself to Ted's character and kind of, you know, were a little bit playing second fiddle, you know, yeah. who, uh, whoever Ted was playing, which I thought. Yeah, you did really that with cool. Aloran too. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I tried to be a little bit more vocally quiet mm-hmm. this time and not like Bjorn had to just always be, be the first person to say something and the last person to say something. You know, he just had to. This time I, right. And this time I tried to just try to settle that down. I'm like, well, 
do I, should I say something or shouldn't I? Cause I don't want to be look silly, you know, and, or something <laughs> of that nature. But yeah, it was so much, it was a lot more fun this time around being more of a utility. And mm. that's what I love about spellcasters and druids, but it's more of a spellcasting utility kind of uh, spellcaster. It's, it's a lot of fun and it gets us underrated. You know, everybody wants to be that spellcaster of just, just throwing out fireballs and doing damage, but man, putting someone in their kind of in a place where they're at a disadvantage and everybody yeah. mm-hmm. else and watching Kragar and Triss just go, go at them. It, that's just enjoyable. Yeah. Well, I can say I appreciated actually having people who could heal. Yeah. Playing a much squishier <laughs> character. Yeah. The, like, the biggest thing about was, was your, uh, your hit points. Yeah. This was, oh, I was man. literally just like, wow, he's going in with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then yeah. he 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 meant business, and and that's that's how he dealt it. it was in the end of his blade, but again, it was like one of those things. I it's like, is he going to make it through this season? I don't yeah. know. It's okay to have that weakness, though, right? Everybody wants a weakness in their character; otherwise, it's no fun to play. Oh no, I would have liked more hit points. <laughs> like, but I, yeah, I was, but it makes I you rely on it makes you rely on someone else, right? It was just not just yourself. It kept you up, man. Yeah, and as well, far you, as now, you guys did a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as questioning Bjorn about how much damage he did in the first level, now as a rogue, I hope you understand in five E, Don, of how ruthless point sneak attack can be. <laughs> yeah, that well, and it was it, it definitely shown uh, sometimes, but I, I don't know. I just seem to have really bad luck getting it to land. Yeah. Especially yeah. that, because um, because as the um, hobgoblin, as the bugbear, he gets that extra two d six damage in the first round of combat on a surprise. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but I don't know that the number of times that I actually got to pull it off was pretty small. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I that that last fight, I'm like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to just probably tear the character from Wogo. Like, oh, so this has got to happen. Craigar, where are you going, Craigar? This this um, gladiator. So yeah. to have I get two really good crits in that in that fight was was like okay, that was yeah. cool. That's worth it. Yeah, I think your long arms, your reach, um, caused me more, yeah. just many problems. That was yeah. That really that really stacked well. Yeah. That that was you know, and it was just something that I I never got used to throughout the entire season was that you could be ten feet away <laughs> and still land these attacks or you know grab things. There was the yeah. part in the in the left. Oh yeah, <laughs> just reach through advantage. And, um, yeah, I was curious to see what because Bugbear is a new playable race, right? To five E, and so I was really kind of excited to see what advantage you would get, why you want to play a bugbear. And you answered it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that, that certainly helped me make that decision because mm-hmm. obviously I was trying to optimize the character, but um, honestly, I, I really like bugbears. Like as a race, I've always kind of just thought they were super cool mm-hmm. and enjoyed throwing them against, you know, the you know parties and things like that. So to get to play one, mm-hmm. I, that was a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. think they're an interesting, interesting race. So, Cool. So if if owl bears were a playable race, would would that be <laughs> would that be your next one? I think that'd be too limiting. Okay. Yeah. She she's poking fun because that's like my favorite D and D creature is the owl bear. <laughs> they are pretty classic. much the top. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it yeah. is they're classic, but there's just something 
just cool about them. So, well, they look cool. Number one, they do you know? look cool. Yeah, they do. They We've do. got that really lovely Albert print. Oh, in our, yeah. it is. It is one of my like treasures. It's a it's a signed uh, Tony D. Terlizzi Albert. Yeah. It's the North American wow. Albert, and I've got it framed and matted. It's uh, kind of back in the hall, and it's like I just I absolutely love it. And the fact that I got a copy just yeah made me very happy. Yeah, I mean, and and this is this is what I'm dealing with. This sort of knowledge and love for this game, which uh, you know, I think comes through a lot. You know, and people just seem to resonate with it. Um, you know, they, we're not uh, never going to be critical role. We're never gonna. I'm never gonna get the voices down. That's for sure. Uh, I can't remember them from one episode to the next. That's um, really hard to do. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that is, uh, I think, something that people don't mention a lot is just remembering what you did the previous yeah. uh, episode for someone. Totally, I have no clue what I'm doing. But, um, you know, I think that, that there's just like this sort of underlying kind of like knowledge and geekiness that uh, we all bring to the table here that uh, is very authentic. And no one's really, no one really questions that. And I think it's very comforting. And I've seen some, you know, streams of people who will never be famous, never be recognized as much as they should be. And man, I start watching them and I could watch them all day long, you know, snowing outside. I'm chilling inside under an Afghan that my wife has crocheted for me and listening to some stream that no one's ever heard of. But the people are just so real and just having fun. And uh, that's an amazing thing. I think it's a passion for the game, you know, just and I mean, I've. I'm guessing everybody would agree. Sometimes you don't, you're not in the best mood and you don't, you don't really want to like, okay, I'm going to get through this and maybe I'm just a little bit off today, but once we're in it and that you can, yeah. that red light starts, there's something about it that I don't, there's part of me that's like, okay, we're here to entertain people, but it's so entertaining just to be with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I love playing with you guys that it kind of, that kind of portion just goes in the background and it really kind of takes away from everything that's going out in the real world and craziness maybe dealing with your life. And it's just kind of a, a nice escape, but it's also entertaining. I like to entertain myself. I'm entertaining myself with yeah. this. So. Mm-hmm. I think I was very aware of that, like, the fact that people are going to be watching us when we first started doing this or uh-huh. listening to us when we first started doing this. And that was, yeah. I was really anxiety provoking for me. Um, but I don't know now, just like you said that it, it's kind of faded into the background and it's like, hey, whatever, you know, right. if, so I think that makes it the experience a lot better for me. Yeah. And it, it was, it was tough at the beginning. I completely agree with you. That's been my experience too. Like I, I really don't pay attention to the microphone at this point. Like I, I kind of do, but I, you know, mm-hmm. it, I try to make you guys laugh. I try to have fun with you guys. Right. Like that's, that's what I'm yeah. focused on. Yeah. yeah. And that will kind of go into the, to the crowd. So I got a question for Rochelle doing, I, I think I really, your voice, you and Don, nothing against, me and, and, and of course, Ted, but I'm just for you <laughs> specifically, you specifically, <laughs> you, your voices were, your voices were really good for both seasons. I really enjoy your voice work. Do you find that it's a little bit easier to get into your character and stay there 
because sometimes I feel like I'm just talking like myself and, and I'm supposed to be speaking on behalf of like Brokos versus actually doing somewhat of a voice for Brokos. Do you feel like it helps you kind of more just get into that where you don't, you're not thinking about anybody listening? Um, I mean, I, I think for me, having a voice helps me like, relate to my character more Mm -hmm. it's kind of this like oh yeah this is this is not me this is you know whoever whoever it might be and so although definitely I think my characters um have aspects of my own personality or yeah so we'll just leave it at that um it's that yeah it helps me to kind of like like okay this is who I am or this is who I'm thinking as right now Mm-hmm. And I, I think so too. I, I enjoy staying. It helps me to try to stay in character and try yeah. to think like my character. I think that for me, it was maybe more important for a cool show because I, I spent mm-hmm. a lot more time uh, uh, working on his voice, actually listening to uh, Icelandic videos. And, <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm completely serious because I, yeah. I had an idea of, of the culture that I wanted to be from, but I had no idea how to do that type of, type of voice. So I spent a fair amount of time practicing that. To try wow, to man. Well, you well, nailed sure. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I did not do that for uh, Krigar because I was like, there's really no good example. Like I, mean, I was like trying to, trying to find, you know, a monstrous humanoid in film. Right. You know, it's like there's not a lot to draw from. So – I, I don't know. To me, it, it maybe was a little bit more generic. And it was also kind of harder to maintain just because trying to do that guttural sort of sound. Right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of on the throat. For, for hours on end, it's like, wow, this is hard to stay in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had trouble with Brokos. I had trouble with Brokos's voice. I just didn't know where I went. With Bjorn, it was easy. I want to speak like my grandpa did in northern Minnesota. You know, <laughs> that, that was it. It was easy. I know that voice. Nice. But with this, I'm just like, I just don't have, I just didn't know as much about Brokos. I was very firm on what I, what Bjorn was and where he was from and, and kind of, you know, the halfling was a little bit more fun to play. And Brokos is just like, I really didn't know where it was coming from. And so the voice, like Rochelle, you say it helps you get into your character and I can totally understand it. Because sometimes I felt like I was just playing my character. I wasn't my character sometimes with Brokos. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes I had to kind of wheel myself to get in there. And once I did, like when I could turn into an animal or something like that, that's when it really helped me as character because then, you know, I didn't have to speak as much as I could just, just use my descriptions of what I was doing as an animal to hopefully creep you all out. <laughs> you got that, man. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You did an uh, excellent job. I think everyone did an excellent job. And I think, um, you know, this was a weird season for all of us, uh, you know, yeah. having a pandemic hit midway yeah. through. Yeah. We're all kind of struggling. I, I mean, I struggled from, you know, the fact that my whole life was transitioning around me, working from home, lots of uncertainty with schooling and things like that for, you know, children. I mean, stuff that everyone else is going through. Um and, you know, but I fixated on this podcast so much and I just wanted it to be better. And I was just so bummed at the start that, you know, I didn't have the audio quality that I wanted and that we, 
you know, sounded slightly different than we normally do. And I kept researching different services and wasted Mm -hmm. a lot of time. And I think kind of midway through, I sort of um, was close to just burning out because I was so focused on these little details. And finally, uh, I think it was maybe a conversation that we had after recording session or something. I just realized that it's, you know, it's, it, it is what it is right now, uh, quality yeah. wise. And I'm just going to make the best of it. We're just, we're just, you know, five people trying to play a game and have fun. And I think that kind of ease, I mean, that's when I sort of got used to dealing with this situation. And I, I mean, I noticed all of you kind of went through a similar thing, struggling with that. Um, and you know, for all of you to do as well as you did, <laughs> with all of the chaos that happened this year. I mean, it's amazing. And it's kind of a testament to you as individuals, uh, as your characters, how this this game sort of helped us kind of grow and stay sane throughout this whole mm-hmm. process. Sometimes Even though we're still little, right in the middle of it, but... Sometimes you gotta let Lathander take the wheel, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I got a question for Ted, if I could ask. Okay. You certainly, knowing you personally, um, where did you take your inspiration from, from being uh, kind of an arrogant jerk? It's Don't not like Gary. your person. Yeah, yeah, like, no. you, do you know what I mean? I know you as a person, and that's not what I know. That's not Ted. No, I mean, it, you know, me, I tend to fade in the background, you know, like, so, so doing ALAR was me trying to push myself to try something new and different. Um, you know, just to, and I, you know, midway through the season, I, I didn't want him to be a, a one note character, um, and just a joke character the entire time. Um, so I don't know if you noticed that I was trying to go for the more heroic choices and, you know, pushing us towards, towards that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, uh, a little bit of Shatner and a little bit of Zap Brannigan. <laughs> nice. <All right>. Uh, <laughs> good mixer. Well, you nailed it. Yeah. I, I don't think I ever thought of, of Alar as an arrogant jerk. Well, that's what we were, because okay. I see from a Broco standpoint, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I, say, I would say arrogant, right? Arrogant, yeah. Maybe jerk wasn't the right word. Maybe arrogant. I or, think jerk could have been the result at times. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's how I saw Broco saw it. Like, man, he's just being a jerk, you know. <laughs> but uh, I saw, like, I think the turn for you was when we were at, I don't forget who that mother was, the oh, house. Right. The grandma. I think that was, like, where oh, you yeah. kind of really played into it. Yeah. And that's where you said, well, okay, now I get Now I get it. And I think it showed where you that more heroism you talk about. I could, I could see that kind of developing right then and there. Tris always thought that Alar was really just covering for deep-seated insecurity. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the therapist in me, you know, trying to justify his background. And that, you know, when I got to talk about, you know, my my adoptive father never quite accepting me because I was a, you know, child of infidelity, um, you know, never being mm-hmm. good enough, that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have that that thick skin. Uh, you're trying to make a name for yourself, and that that was a question I wanted to bring up because this this whole season was kind of designed to, uh, you know, season one 
everyone's backstories played like this integral part to how mm-hmm. the story developed and tried to work it in for everybody. This season, I wanted to like take you away from that where all of your background stuff didn't really matter. There was no connection. There was no nothing. I think Tris, just to kind of move the story along, you know, uh, one of the big bad people involved had to be have that kind of connection and answer some questions for her character. But the rest of you just kind of got pulled out of your lives, dropped into this room where you're trapped together. And, you know, what you did or what you were didn't really matter a whole lot. So you didn't really have a a chance to to shine as a character from, you know, like your the perspective of your background that you're trying to make a name for yourself as a bard in this city. And then the city's in chaos, you know, Mm -hmm. just when you're about to hit it big, boom. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was that, the, the, that wedding was like a big deal for you. It was, it was, it was a big shot. It was kind of interesting because how that was going and set up, I'm like, okay, we're going to really play into this whole, Bard thing and band thing and like that, and then it's off the track immediately. Yeah, but that's okay. You know, it's. I think that maybe helped um, the story a little bit better because it wasn't. It was you were challenged a little bit more. It it made me have to be more creative with where I was going to take my character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oh, go ahead. I have a question for you. Oh, like. This was pretty dark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So, are you okay, Jerry? Did you know? Did you know <laughs> that? You okay? Right. 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 Did, did you know that that's what you wanted to do almost immediately after, like when you started thinking about it? Did you know that you kind of wanted to put a little bit more? I don't want to say adult twist on it, but just a little bit more of a serious twist on it, and really kind of go all out on that. Or did it kind of develop after you started kind of writing? You know, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I thought of the place where you ended up uh, last episode. I thought of that first. Oh, okay. That's cool. And I thought, what are the, what are the coolest pieces here? What are the coolest tie-ins? What are, what are the things from season one that I could, you know, build on that somehow gets you here? And then I thought of, Vito Fresk and mm-hmm. this little backstory that he had. And I, I had no idea why I put so much effort into his backstory, but I wanted you guys to have the sense that he was, you know, he was genuine, that he was a good person, that yes, he, you know, did some bad things and trained gladiators to fight and die in these arenas in this terrible city that you guys know nothing about, um, but that he freed them. Um, that he helped them escape, that, you know, he left and he fled. And now he's here in Ashmore working to do things differently. And um, so Badrigan came up and it was one of the few named places outside of Ashmore that you guys mm-hmm. knew. And I thought, oh, if I'm going to start with totally different characters, mm-hmm. you know, it has to be a totally different place. And how do I get you in this underground sort of space where there's like a city underground. How do I get you there? And so that's, I I kind of worked my way back and thought of uh, some of the little bits that Vito brought to it in season one and thought, okay, there's a, you know, 
uprising, a slave revolt in the city. The Baron, who I mentioned in season one, you know, mm-hmm. he's a bad dude. We know that. Um, he's just holding on, trying to keep this city on lockdown until help can arrive. And you guys are trapped there. And so it just kind of organically, I guess, became dark because I'm like, this is a terrible place. I'd established that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, you- I assumed it was going to be a little dark if we were going to be in Badger. You know, you had already sort of painted this whole realm as pretty, pretty evil. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the chaos certainly was then, you know, fit because any kind of revolution or any kind of, you know, it, it, most revolutions are not peaceful <laughs> in right, many yeah. ways. Yeah. And so that had to happen that way. Um, and, and I, mean, I was well-written. I, I really liked your, where you were going, where you're going with this. And um, I really just, it, it, I, I'll tell you, you said I wanted, you wanted us to feel trapped. Boy, did I feel trapped. Yeah. Almost to the point of like my, my character felt emotionally claustrophobic. Mm. That's the word I was hoping I was going to hear. That's that's what I wanted, you know, to feel like that you guys were really, you know, bereft of resources, opportunity, anything that really mattered in a normal campaign, Mm -hmm. you know, gold was meaningless. It was just, you know, like a barter economy and, most of the people there had no more skills than you did (laughs) and just kind of, um, you know, working your way through that and figuring this out, um, without any of the normal benefits, which you guys, again, brought a lot to that, which made it, I think it would have been very dull with, um, you know, lots of, you know, anyone else in your place could have been very bad, could have been very dull without, you know, the typical, um, you know, hack and slash and fighting for gold and, you know, finding fancy weapons and things like that. Right. Um, you know, interacting with people that were more powerful than you, which didn't really happen at all. I mean, you had some fights with people that were more powerful than you, but, you know, the average people that you ran into were kind of in the same boat that you were and no one right. to help you. And I tried to make that clear when, uh, Craigar, you know, was bitten by the were rat and he debated a long oh, yeah. time whether he, <laughs> that was a good Just thing. Accept it. <laughs> um, it but I want to see like you'd have to go on this quest all the way across the city just with the slim hope that you would find someone that could actually do anything about this. And uh, was, was there a part where he wasn't going to succeed? Or was that up to Don? It was kind of up to him. Yeah. I mean, I, I figured that this, um, you know, Olandar, uh, priest, oh man, I can't even remember his name now. Um, he had to factor into this, you know, to Galen, Galen, yes. Father Galen or Rector Galen. Mm -hmm. Um, he had to factor into this to kind of move some of those, uh, secrets along that you guys just, there was no other, you know, easy way to explain how you would come across this knowledge and, so I thought, oh, you know, there's, you know, Olandar is in my little pantheon that I built early on in season one. And, you know, what what role does he play and what does his, you know, so it was, I think, something that was always going to happen, but totally up to Kragar whether he was going to accept yeah. it or not. Okay. Interesting. You could tell our frustration with Wolf Canute, right? 
Yeah. I mean, and that was part of it. Like who yeah. do you trust? Well, plus we were just, we just felt like Aaron, we just felt like Aaron boys yeah. at some point and it got really frustrating. Like yeah. we want to break out of this, but we you keep on having us do stuff, but yeah, we still do it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Cause we're, we're kind of beholden to getting certain things out of him that we wanted. And it's like, you kind of dangled this stuff for us, but we had to do this in return. It was fun. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't know if you guys watch the show Vikings at all. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so you know, this very clannish kind of uh, um, uh, existence that these pirates have, you know, that they're, you know, they have their own ways, and they don't expect you to understand them, and they don't care if you understand them, and so they're always just kind of dangling little you know, quests out for you to t- handle and maybe you glean some bit of information from, from, right. from that afterwards, but you really had to fight for it. And I didn't want you to love him. You know, there were times where I thought, Oh, they're going to freaking kill Wolf Canute before, <laughs> before I can, you know, actually get to the end of the story and, um, Skull of Egg, Skull I of Egg was her. A, yeah. She uh, was a greater risk than Wolf Canute. Yeah. Krigger really wanted to kill her. Oh time. yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, you definitely could have, I would have had to rewrite <laughs> lots of things. But, uh, I mean, that's part of what makes it so much fun is yeah. uh, uh, every time you guys do something that is a little bit different, not even different, but something you say or something your, you know, character, you know, believes in or does in the game kind of makes me rethink some of this stuff. So I'm always adjusting as the season uh, went along, trying to make it more interesting for your characters and working in things where, you know, you guys can shine and do what you do best, which is, you know, play this game. I think that I felt like, or Tris felt like that there were, there wasn't really a good option. Like she kept, Mm -hmm doing the stuff for Wolf Canute because it's like, okay. I got nothing. I mean, what, what else do what we else? do? Yeah. 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 There were no good, there were no good guys. Yeah. Bro- that was frustrating. Yeah, Brokos was just following them because he had nothing else. Yeah. That, he was, I felt like Brokos was following the rest of the group just for security. Cause yeah. he probably would have died without them. Hmm. Yeah, Wolf Canute, I, I think you guys felt about him like I had hoped that you would. Um, Haydn, I, you know, I think I, I tried to make him more, I wish he would have come off a little more harmless and befuddled most of the time, but helpful. And you guys really seemed to mistrust him the whole time, too. Well, it's because he was loyal to Wolf Canute. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that and it's kind of inseparable. And it's it's player versus NPC one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. Don't trust anybody. Yeah, it's like any yeah. game that I like when you GM a game, and I swear when you could have the most lighthearted NPC trying to help out, giving you all the information you need. And wait a minute, there's part of me that doesn't trust him. Maybe we should have our blades out just in case we need to murder him. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's uh, just like that's why at the very end there. <laughs> I really, as maybe not Craigar, but as Don really thought, okay, this is going to be the big reveal, and Arvik is the villain. Oh, and yeah. so when I asked you guys which one you want me to stab, I would, I was thinking maybe I should just take him out because he, there's just something not right about all of this. I don't know if you would have been able to take him out because that might have been 
he looked like he was the way he handled Skullveg. I wonder if he would have fought back. Uh, that's a good question. I, I definitely yeah. would have had to have thought about that, but I am I am so you know, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, Arvik was kind of throwaway character at the start. Yeah. Really? Yeah, just he was there to kind of flavor this whole feeling that you had about the the pirates in general that mm-hmm. were not really good people. Um that they were kind of savage, kind of, you know. So he didn't really factor in until you guys really took a liking to him and seemed very protective of him, um, both him and Barnacle. Um, you know, and Barnacle was just kind of put in there to to show that there, you know, there might be a different side to, you know, some of the pirates, you know, like you're going to have to figure out who you can trust here, who's good, who's not. And it's going to take a little bit of work. And you guys latched onto him. And then there were lots of times where you're like, oh, if you kill Arvik. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, they they really, you know, and you didn't take to Haydn at all, which I realized right away that this was not working. Whatever I was doing with him was not working at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And so I had to kind of latch on. So I had a much grander arc for Haydn than Arvik. Mm. And so I just kind of had to flip them around and figure out partway through, like what, what is Arvik's story here? And why does, you know, and I had thrown in some bits that I couldn't really explain, like why Skolovig hated him so much. And originally it was just because, you know, he was simple and that kind of weakness in their society. Um, just is not something that they appreciate. Uh-huh. Well, that's why I felt protective of him, though. Right. Yeah. You know, Hayden Hayden was too slick. He was too evasive. Like there, there was too much question mark there. Yep. I, that's why I didn't trust him. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I played him a little bit um, too strongly and and uh, tried to reel it back in. And just <laughs> was not. You guys had made up your minds, and I'm like, okay, so I have to adjust here. And you know how do, how does this work? And then I was, you know, just one day thought, oh, what if what if Arvik? You know, he's he's a very uh, seemingly simple man, does some very unorthodox things uh, among these pirates, like he's a farmer. He loves to grow things. He likes to nurture things. He likes to build things. Not something that they're good at, not something that they care about, not something that they prize in their society at all. And so he represents a very different kind of approach, very different way for this whole community that has been cast out and exodus from their island, harsh island homeland, and now are here on the mainland and what does the future look like for them? I know yeah. I'm making way too much about this whole thing, but um, you know, that's, that's all the stuff that was going through my head. Like maybe he has a bigger destiny. And so that was actually one of the questions that I wanted to try to answer was the Arvik, you know, what did he do to become King? And I think I, I related in the, you know, in game at some point, but you know, it's anyone who's familiar with the Husafell stone in Iceland, kind of the 
409 oh, okay. pound stone that, yeah. uh, you know, uh, people in Iceland try to pick up and as a test of manhood and either you're like half strong or you're full strong or whatever, you know, depending on what you can do with the stone, if you actually manage to pick it up off the ground, which 409 pounds, I don't know who can do that. Not me. Um, sure. I'm sure Bjorn Thorson, the guy from Iceland, the world's strongest man, yeah. probably could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's um but you know. it's like they considered it like uh, they saw it as Thor's hammer, the Mjolnir, as mm-hmm. you know, like a test of of strength and like that. That is a really interesting um story behind that stone. But it's oddly enough, you speaking of Iceland and stuff, Crane took it. Uh the way you describe it's like both sides of the cultures of the Vikings. They had the pirate side and the raiding side, but they also had the, like, Arvek, which was the farmers. They were farmers. They were builders. They were incredible inventors of many things that we still use today, the Vikings were. Mm-hmm. So you had that part of it, portion of it, but they also they were also, you know, on the weekend, they would go Viking. They would go and, and raid and do horrible things to, to show their their will upon other people. So that's both sides of, of the Viking culture. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess that's what I was trying to pull out with, with this particular group of pirates is that, you know, they may be stuck in this one mode of, you know, raiding all the time at the expense of everything else. And uh, Arvik represented the other side of that, you know, the, the craftsmanship, you know, to build these ships that they have the, you know, to, um, you know, the desire to farm and find new land and fertile ground and things like that, you know, and so it, it sort of made sense in my mind. It probably seemed a little abrupt to you as players that all of a sudden this person you felt like you had to protect because, um, you know, of his uh, maybe limited abilities um, in this culture uh, was suddenly somebody who was going to lead them. And um, hopefully it came across that he was a tremendous fighter, um, which obviously is going to be helpful whatever the future holds for the uh, pirates of Thuringar. And I imagine that, you know, if there was another campaign, another season down the road, that could definitely be part of it. Like pirates retaking the Thunder Isles from, you know, these creatures from mm-hmm. Shadowfell. Uh, how close was Kragar to killing Skolvig? Well, it was just a matter of the right opportunity. Right. Now, from a practical standpoint, uh, he assumed that she was probably really good. So, yeah. Because, yeah. You know, yeah, from the very beginning, like, we were still, like, level right. one. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stab this person. But, you know, <laughs> survival instincts say, no, she'd probably just kill him. Yeah. But he was hoping that there was a few opportunities that, that would pop up, but then it just never kind of happened. The one when we met her in the in the tunnel, that was probably the most opportune time. Yeah, I and, and I think the other part is he didn't really know that he think that you guys were totally on board would just oh attack her. I would give it a shot. Yeah, I was giving it a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brokos's attitude is he's just going to follow. So whatever you guys, he's going to okay. I'll do what I can to help. There's some things he'd probably stand up for himself for, like like you know Arvik. But otherwise, 
there's not much else that he's like, okay, they're doing this. This is my lifeline. <laughs> yeah. I have a very important question. Yeah. What happened to Barnacle? I have that on my list. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Barnacle is fine. Good. I, um, I think Barnacle was going to be rescued and probably taken to Ashmore. To good doggy life somewhere. Okay. Uh, or maybe Arvik would reconnect with him. And, uh, you know, I'd sort of thought about, you know, Arvik takes the dread gate. Arvik's like unofficially their king and the other group of the larger group of pirates show up. They open the gates. They come in. Badrigan is now theirs. This is now. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Once you kind of decided the battle between Skolvig and Arvik, um, did you ever think of Skolvig killing Arvik and Wolf Canute taking that power? I, you know, it probably did cross my mind at some point because it's just uh, kind of degrees of how dark and gritty I wanted this to seem. But, um, you know, I figured at some point, Skolavik, once I decided Arvik had some larger destiny to play, those two are going to have to tangle. Either that or mm. you guys would get involved before that. And then I'd have to kind of create some other sort of moment where he realizes that he has to do the stuff that he hates to do, but that he's mm. really good at um, because it helps you guys. You know, it helps his people. It helps everybody if he can do that part and maybe get them to focus on other things. But, you know, uh, it probably did come up. There's no joking. If you would have, this is, I mean, from my standpoint, when I was looking at while that was happening, if Arvik went down in that battle, yeah, it was go time for me. I was willing to put my life down for that. Yeah. And I I sort of thought about that because I, I thought, what if, what if they try to jump in, you know, um, cut off, you know, I tried to make it just like narrative, just for me, I'm just going to read it. Um, but, uh, you know, they, I know you guys feel strongly about Ar- Arvik and how this outcome happens. Um, what if you just cut me off and tried to jump in and, you know, so the arbiters were there and you had made a pretty good impression with uh, the high magistrate, Baldrick Greylock of the arbiters and, they're probably enough of them heavily armored and enough townsfolk, you know, to kind of, you know, turn this into this massive melee. Um, you know, the Dreadgate would then be pretty much off limits. Um, that would be unattainable, but people could still escape to Ashmore. I was not just upset about, you know, like really looking at this aspect of just protecting Arvik because once I learned his strength and what, who he really was, I was not so much as, you know, protective. I didn't see him as right. less, less than me. I saw them, I saw him as a King. So to me, he was more than me. You know, he was much, much higher up than I was. It was more of the disrespect or the way that I was looking at it as the amount of disrespect Wolf Canute was giving a king, his king by nature. And I saw it was just a, like you explained it, Don, before. It was, just, it was a means to an end for Wolf Canute. He was doing what he thought was best for the, the people. And I get that portion, but it's still his king by right. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was just like, I 
I get the Porsche, but Wolf Canute really rubbed me the wrong way already. And Skolvik already that I was ready to, you know, to throw down just because the disrespect they were giving to his king. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad you got so much out of that because that's, uh, I mean, it's all, there's so much nuance there and uh, subtlety worked into that whole relationship on, and Wolf Canute, you know, this, you know, cruel people trying to manipulate, um, you know, Arvik into kneeling before him and taking the mantle for himself. Not like it. Yeah. And, um, you know, them, everyone assuming that Arvik is just, you know, some simpleton that, you know, doesn't want to fight is too cowardly to fight. I mean, obviously they know what he's capable of, um, you know, and probably have seen him fight many times before in their version of the arena, you know, and, in the uh, Thuringar and all of that. But um, so he's not somebody to be taken lightly, but once they realize that he didn't want to fight, then they try to manipulate, try to intimidate all of that stuff. And um, you guys picked up on all of it, which is awesome. Was Arvik kind of playing down his, at the beginning? Cause you didn't, know right away that Arvik was going to be this character and play this part. So it sounded like at the end, he was much more sure of himself of his, where he was and who he was versus, yeah. versus the beginning. He was very, very, um, the, the gentle, like reposed and almost the but less so intelligent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was Like he was accepting the role that he was told to at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that last battle, you guys made it look so easy. I I thought the way the first, you know, when you first encountered Razor Wick um, and the Belfry Union yeah, and uh, Kragar went down, you know, after yeah. one round. Right. I mean, he was mm-hmm. down and I'm like, Oh no, this is bad. And uh, <laughs> so what if I do two of those people? It's going to be, you know, you're the same level that you were then. And, um, we learned. So, yeah. You, <laughs> you, you did some things differently for sure. And, uh, so I imagine that at some point Arvik would become, have become so, um, fearful for you, his friends, that he would have, you know, mm. bust out of those chains taken these people down himself and kind of in that moment and with all of that emotion sort of made that realization that he can't let people die when he can do something about it. He can't let his friends be hurt when he can do something about it. And sometimes that's all he can do is fight back. And so that moment didn't really happen because you guys just mop Mm -hmm. the floor with those gladiators, but I don't know. I wouldn't say we mopped the floor, though. No. The, the hold spell, I mean, totally changed that fight. Yeah, th- thank God you your yeah. wisdom saves her low. Oh, God. <laughs> we, we, could not, we could not have handled both of them. Yeah. That's how much damage, you know, even after I, I, I expected her to go down taking that 57-point hit, whatever it was, and then, then she was like, oh, no. Like, yeah, shrug it off. It was yeah. funny enough because I was – waiting for it and i kept on forgetting you guys reminded me that hold monster and hold yeah hold uh person are two different spells and i've been waiting so long to i've had that spell this waiting there and waiting there because as a druid you can change your spells mm-hmm. 
And so I was just like, well, should I get rid of it? Should I get rid of it? Nope. It's got to be important at some point. And I don't want to have all of these attack spells because that's not me. That's not what I want. If I want to attack, I'll turn into an animal. So I'm going to hold this spell because I want to be this battle support, right? And yeah. sure enough, it yeah, came to huge. fruition. <laughs> it, was, it was huge, yeah. Uh, I mean, I had spent like two days researching all the mechanics of what what could Arvik realistically do or contribute with these chains on? Yeah. Like how much could he entangle and trap, um, mm-hmm. mess up these gladiators in a, in a real uh, encounter. Um, and I didn't have to do that at all because you guys, I mean, I couldn't roll over a nine. That was the first problem <laughs> for wisdom checks. But um, you know, you guys did a really fantastic job with that. And, I was hoping because the season you you pretty much cleaned house every time there was combat, and at some point I got like I'm okay with this. Like as long as you guys are adding your own flavor to the combat, and you know, like it's moving the story along, I'm not going to worry so much that you know I put you in a situation. Um, like season one where you're in fighting the spiders and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, Craigar, I think was the only one that survived yeah, uh, or didn't go down and managed, you know, to come down to one blow on either side yeah. would have ended the fight and Craigar got it. Well, and, you know, we, we did have a few close calls. I was thinking that that very first fight at the, when we were trying to take the manor house from the, mm-hmm. That got that got dicey. Yeah, we got split up. That was not that was not good. Yeah, I, I was that was a long time ago, but I'm like that was that was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we thought that one through very well, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of had this idea that like every fight needed to be like this like on edge tension building thing, and. Um, as DM, you can never guarantee that, though. Yeah, you just it's you just still can't. out of my control with dice and you guys, uh, the way you rolled sometimes and the way I rolled sometimes. Yeah. You know. Should, should we point out why we were split up that time, though? Why? Do you remember, Craigar, you had to go use the bathroom? Well, that was his excuse. Right. Oh, yeah, that, that, was, right. that was the right. idea, right, to, to separate them yeah. and then potentially. Pick them off. Yeah, but Brokos didn't know that that's what you you were. But yeah, yeah <laughs> you exactly. were just going number. <laughs> exactly. All right. It's a weird time to use the bathroom, but yeah. Yeah, finally, you gotta privacy. go. You gotta go. You no one needs like right. he can do it by himself. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? It's like it's been a long time. We've only the, had the bucket. <laughs> the little things that no one talks about in D and D is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I added the bucket, by the way. Oh, yeah, I saw, oh, man. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> It's a souvenir if I ever. That was a very good of like, oh, this is how it's gonna be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was. uh, I'm glad that that kept coming up repeatedly as a source of amusement uh, throughout the season because. So the cup took over. Yeah, yeah. Then the cup happened, and that was pretty gross too. Which I'm still surprised you guys went along with just like. (laughs) No problem. Like I do this all the time. It was uh, like an older brother seeing if he'll, the little <laughs> brother will be do something yeah. that's stupid, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I've eaten so much dog food. Uh, <laughs> my older brother, not even funny. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. And you guys, uh, always surprise me always. Uh, uh, I think about some of the decisions you made that affected peers, which is another, you know, question I wanted to address, uh, what happened to peers? And, uh, there was a, there was a whole, you know, I, I think it probably would have added like five or six more episodes where oh. you work with peers to help him find his sister. Mm-hmm. And I love that connection that Craig R was a night rover and peers had worked with the night rovers to try to get information about his sister. And I wanted to kind of build like this huge world where you kind of knew more about what was happening in the wider, you know, kingdom as far as, you know, uprisings down south and this battle between these two siblings for control of the kingdom after Eldzig's death and just kind of tie it all together. And Piers was sort of that linchpin that was going to make that happen. But um, I think the way it worked out, um, Piers went his own way and that was fine. Um, mm. You guys like right away recognize, well, he's a, he's a werewolf we don't really want to hang around <laughs> with a yeah, werewolf uh, when um, he turns. Yeah. And I'm just lucky you guys didn't try to kill him right there on the spot. But yeah, he's a good werewolf. Um, he's a good werewolf. <laughs> you put, you put so much gray area in this season that it was yeah. really hard to know who to trust or who to not trust. And, it's not a bad thing. No, that's a, of, a good. Th- I like a that. lot of gray area, and that's what I think frustrated me the most as a player. It's like, what, what the heck is going on? You know, like, where, what is our purpose? Where are we? What, what do I have to yeah. do to get out of this or to help somebody or not to be here anymore? Yeah, and it's you know, it's not a strength of mine to adapt on the fly. I mean, I just I have a a story in mind and, you know, um, or I guess the framework of a story in mind and you guys help me fill that out and kind of make it morph and develop in different ways, certainly, but still that framework is there. And, you know, if something changes that framework substantially, it's hard for me to just adapt on the fly. And I'm sure all of you are better at that than I am. More used to it, um, players messing things up for you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's very hard. And so uh, I think some of that ambiguity that was built in, um, you guys still managed to. I mean, the only thing I can think of that really threw me for a loop was um, when you didn't go on that last mission that Wolf Canute gave you where you were supposed to go check out the shipwreck. Uh-huh. So, and the only reason I realized after a while, I mean, but it took me a whole day to get to that point. At the end of that episode, I was just like, oh, crap. They screwed it up. What am I going to do now? And uh, I was kind of bummed because, and then I realized that it really wasn't consequential to anything. I just wanted this nice tie-in where you got to, revisit a character that you really didn't like from season one, <laughs> Telford Tongue, who blocked the bridge, you know, with his... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We, never, we never got our performance out of that either. Yeah. yeah. And so here he was going to be representing the 
you know, queen of Ashmore and saying that help was on the way. And I wanted to have like all these conversations about, you know, the mighty hero Cull show is leading, you know, this fleet of ships here and wow. you know, everything is well in hand and you know, all of this stuff. And I wanted to just play it up and have it be over the top and, you know, but it didn't really move this story along a whole lot. It okay. was just kind of fun for me. And, you know, but still, it took me time to get to that point where I, I don't need this. But when we got to refuse that, it, it felt like finally we were able to make a choice based upon our values for Arvik. You know what I mean? Like, I felt really good about being able to do that. So I appreciate you you allowing us to, mm-hmm. you know, say, screw that. We're, we're going to go save Arvik. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I should have, like realized it but as soon as i asked you to go there when when you knew arvik was gone i was like mm. oh god what the heck was i thinking because yeah. there's no way they're gonna let arvik no. you know, be taken and then go on some other mission while they figure right. out the whole arvik situation it's like nope that's not gonna happen no nope. not with this crew um but yeah i i think i think that was really the only part where i felt like you guys had done something that I was just not prepared for and that might have damaged the story somehow that I was trying to tell, but really you didn't. And Telford Tongue, I think, came up in a more appropriate amount when you met him, you know, in the square in Saltside, mm-hmm. where he gave a good speech. You could see who he was and what he was about. And, uh, you know, more of a performer and, um, you know, worked really well with Haydn, you know, that Haydn, this was Haydn's plan to get him to do this. And he was just the right person for that job and convinced everyone in Saltside to join up and Wolf Canute was moving this way and everything was coming together and all this urgency that you guys still had to find Arvik while all this other stuff was happening. Hopefully that came across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I can tell you, I think I, I started uh, this line of thought thinking about Piers and uh, Piers uh, found his sister just for all oh, of those. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. We were concerned about that. So even though that didn't factor in to uh, your play much, um, that happened. And uh, some of the other stuff that, you know, he was going to let you in on workings of the wider world. Um, I think that came out. I mean, you guys knew about the foundation, this group of ruling families, these merchant princes down in Corumbray. Um, you guys got that and they're somehow involved in this. Somehow they've been influencing, uh, the Were Rats, the Dark Run Syndicate, influencing the Golgonan mercenary or Golgonan gladiators, at least in the city, and also somehow tied to this group, this mysterious group that you learned about through Piers and through Triss, the Echelon Nine, the military legion faction of werewolves that. Uh, you know, sounds pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. So somehow all those groups are connected and you 
at the end of this season, we're marching towards something. And the only real thread was that you knew that uh, Commander Vosh, Vosh Glaba, was down there somewhere uh, in werewolf form. And there's one tiny little bit. I was totally forgot. But when you came across the last orbs, I wanted to I wanted to have you roll perception. And then if you got it, you would have noticed that some of the orbs were now blinking green. Uh, ones that you had passed. And so that was kind of a, a little bit uh, of a you know, hint or clue or whatever to uh, tease you into the next season that someone out there is able to control these things still. Someone is still able to make use of them. And so Mm. maybe that uh, other woman that uh, you never really figured out who she was. So my only problem with going into this underground space is that I'm still both in character and personally attached to the Dreadgate. You know what I mean? Like we've been, I feel like we've been working all season towards, you know, getting in there and either trying to get out or trying to, you know, take control of the city, protect the city. I don't know. I, I, I there's still part of me that is ready to go back there and, yeah. and go with Arvik to, to do this. So, and, and, and I kind of wanted to go with the, uh, the thieves. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> sure. So I guess we're just going to split our, our own way, go our own ways. Cool. And, That's what it sounds like. I mean, I can <laughs> swim now, so I'm just going to jump and turn into a, you know, <laughs> whatever, and just head back to Bye. head back to my village. Yeah, you could, man. Yeah. You totally yeah. could. Somebody asked me the question. This Somebody asked me this exact question. Yeah. I don't know where, but, uh, or when. So I apologize to whoever asked this, okay. like, what, you know, were you concerned at all that they were going to split up or something was going to happen because you gave them these choices. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I had uh, little bits of text written for each one of these choices. And um, obviously the much larger uh, was reserved for where I wanted you to be. Um, but you know, if you guys had decided we're going to go be thieves now and, or we're going to go, help Arvik at the Dreadgate. And I, I think those were valid enough choices that mm-hmm. could have decided, like, I'm not going to wander down into, you know, God's nowhere underground chasing some werewolf. That seems ridiculous. Which well, I, it does. You know, yeah, but. Well, I mean, it, it may, maybe a little bit. It was like, well, we're just going to catch her. And <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like, a quick thing. Like it's not yeah. going to be this, underground city yeah yeah what and then like so now we're like oh what is this so yeah it'll be interesting what have we done yeah this is more than i was counting on yeah Uh no i i you know and whoever asked this question i was like yeah i was as stunned as you were that they just immediately you know and again i you know it's obviously you guys have played the game um and you know where uh, I'm trying to lead you and where I want you to go, but um, yeah, it definitely wasn't a guaranteed thing. I figured Kragar would feel like running a thieves guild somewhere. Yeah. Pretty sweet. That would be a, that's right up his alley. Yeah, that alley. 
and somebody would probably want to go help Arvik. Uh, that seems like definitely more of a sure thing. Go up there, beat the Baron, which is directly, uh, it's exactly where mm-hmm. I pointed you from day one, the mm-hmm. Baron, bad guy, and uh, totally makes sense. Triss was really invested, though, in, in following Commander Bosch. I mean, that was... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense for you. Yeah, I mean... I figure that was the only real bad guy that you had not um, dealt with so far that you had any, you know, strong knowledge of so that you would probably follow that thread. I guess Brokos, from his standpoint, would probably go where Triss goes because he probably feels like he's she's the safest bet. Like he feels safest around her because he's scared of Kragar and... (laughs) <laughs> you know, well, I mean, he should mm-hmm. be right. And, uh, you know, with, with Alar, he's just like, he wants to follow Alar, but, uh, you know, are all of Alar's decisions the best he, you know, like, what are they, are they for Alar or are they for the group? Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. could say, you know, from Broco's standpoint is this isn't his homeland. Why should he care about Vagra why, why, what does he care? What is it keeping him here, attaching him here? And it's Arvik, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I, 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 his safest bet would just be because it's all about security and he feels the most secure on Triss because she seems to be level headed and she seems to be like care about other people to a point. I, I think that's why, you know, she resonated with so many people this season. You know, um, I think her character, uh, Rochelle's character in season one, just, you know, this farm girl um, who was kind of naive about the world and sheltered for her entire life, doesn't really make a lot of sense to be a leader. Mm -hmm. But lots of times in season one, you had to be a leader. Yeah. And season two definitely your character was designed more to be a leader and that felt a lot more natural. I'm sure mm-hmm. to you and came across a lot more and just thinking of one of the comments that someone made, you know, it's so nice to have a strong woman um, moving things forward, leading people. And so I'm, I'm not surprised at all that, you know, other players picked up on that, that Tris was really the one that, was taking charge in a lot of these cases and that was coming across and Alar, you know, voice of reason, uh, every so often, <laughs> but, but would do it in his own very, uh, his own special way. Yeah. Special way. I never thought, I never saw Alar as stupid or not, you know, not wise. I, I didn't, I never saw him as like, well, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Right. I always saw and saw him. Brokos has always looked at him as like, he's very smart. He, he knows a lot. Yeah. So there's never a question of that. It was a good, it was a good arc for him. And I'm glad that you made that choice partway through the season to mm-hmm. kind of step up a little bit more because, you know, I tried to play up a little bit at the beginning, this, you know, you're trying to be somebody who you don't need to be, you know, right. trying to right. be over this over the top character and I'm trying to point out like how, you know, silly that is when you have lots of good ideas and you have lots to offer this party and, and you, 
you did that and you grew throughout the season and Brokos really did the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to follow yeah. this person, <laughs> take my cues uh, from, from Alar and then like, Oh, you know, Tris, Tris's leadership, you know, like mm-hmm. he grew in, in that way and was so helpful throughout the season. Craig R though, I think was definitely my wild card in pretty much every situation. Like I did not know what he was going to do. And he, you know, it, it was kind of made it more interesting for me to see like, who's going to talk Krager out of the craziness this week. It's a good thing they did. Cause yeah, he would have really derailed. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wondered if we were going to be able to. <laughs> right. Uh, well, he had times in season one, too, where he was, you know, call show uh, some of that barbarian uh, wild orc man uh, would come through um, and he would throw me for a loop for a second, uh, but had to be talked back um, back to reality a little bit. So this is definitely an element he brings, which I definitely appreciate. Well, then we thank Rochelle for you know, keep them reeled in. So, you know, <laughs> he has a lot of experience now <laughs> in real life. <laughs> uh, yeah. So where do we go now? Where do we go now? That's a great question. Uh, I think we are in talks uh, about doing something between now and when season three would pick up um, because we are going to take a break in, in the hopes that, Maybe pandemic will uh, uh, have a vaccine and we'll all be able to gather in person again. Um, You're welcome to come over and do it in my library here. Okay, <laughs> It's a pretty sweet library. Thank you. Uh, definitely better than my basement, which is still <laughs> what you get here. Um, but so we're, we're taking a break, uh, but we want to do some other things. So we're, we're talking about a, a murder mystery show for the holidays, uh, which could be a lot of fun. I think uh, Thad has volunteered to lead us on that, which uh, I'm excited about because I, I want to play a character um, and be someone cool for once. Yeah, Jerry. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're still going to be around, still doing things. We'll still be on Facebook and still looking forward to uh, getting back and playing this game together for sure. Um, that's about all I can say right now. Right. Unless okay. anyone else has something to add. Like nope. my, I, my three shows a night in Vegas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. plug that in my new book. Um, no, I don't have a book, but, uh, <laughs> no, we're, we're going to try to fill some of this gap here with some, uh, fun stuff, uh, different stuff, hopefully. And maybe even some stuff that will involve all of you, uh, the listeners. And, uh, you know, since we're doing some of this over zoom, there's no reason why you guys can't join in and be a part of it live and talk with us live. And we get to know some of you. So look forward to that. Uh, I'm excited about it. And uh, hopefully you are as well. That's about all I have. Cool, Thank cool. you all. Yeah. All right. For playing. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all yeah. who have supported us, whether it's through reviews or feedback or 
being a uh, patron on Patreon, which is still amazing. Some of you really need to take that money and invest it or something. <laughs> it's very uh, kind. It yeah, very it's kind. incredibly kind because it is it is very nice to know that we have the expenses for this little show uh, pretty much covered. And that Good. is an awesome feeling. Good. If everybody, any listeners have any ideas of what they would just, hey, would so-and-so do this or questions? Uh, I'm up for, you know, keeping contact with listeners. And I know sometimes I get told from some listeners, people that I know that it's, they, this is like, they do this part of this shout out to my father-in-law, Jeremiah, who's probably listening right now while he's been doing the crosswalk for the kids um, that, you know, just to keep in touch and, and, uh, it, uh, this world, it's a big world, but things like this can kind of, can make it really small and seem mm-hmm. like we're, we're the D and D community is, is pretty darn cool. So I like keeping in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really been my refuge throughout this whole pandemic. Uh, just seeing people, you know, the election that was <laughs> still is a little bit contentious. Right. Uh, don't see that changing anytime soon. Nope. There's, there's a lot of craziness out in the world, but there's one thing that I go to all the time and it's so consistent and so um, refreshingly, um, you know, carefree. And that is the D&D community, the role-playing community, and uh, really been um, the thing that helped me stay sane. And I, you know, may think I'm joking, but I don't know what I would have done without this game over the past nine months. So thank you so much, uh, everyone listening. And as Thad suggested, stay in touch. Uh, We will have an extended break uh, here, but we would love to plan to do something. So if you have any ideas, feel free to share those with us. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And to you, players, my friends, uh, thank you for playing this game with me. Thank you for being such good sports. And thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Yeah, you do, do a, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yep. thanks, Jerry. Uh, and uh, until we see each other again, um, if you have any questions in the meantime that we did not answer in this, feel free to give us a shout out. Again, we're all on Facebook. Uh, we're all checking those messages that you leave for us, even the bad ones. We even get good ratings for quick response. I mean, that's <laughs> so Do we? I'm just saying, oh, yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure there was a time there where I, I went on vacation and then it seemed like we dropped off the radar and Facebook really said, well, you're terrible. You should just probably uh-huh. shut down. Um, <laughs> Who listens to Facebook anymore? No, but we need you, nobody. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we still need you. Uh <laughs> Uh, well, thank you all again, and thank you for listening, and please don't be strangers. Stay in touch with us, and we hope to, uh, you know, be back and playing this game again soon. Until then. Absolutely. Be safe out there. Yep, stay safe. Bye, everyone. Au revoir. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying our adventure. 
To show your support for this podcast, please leave a rating or review on your preferred podcast app. Also, be sure to check us out at DungeonPatrol.com.